What is God's purpose for your season of prayer? Many of you are in a season of prayer. What is God's purpose for that? Many of us have purposes for our seasons of prayer. I remember whenever I was single in my early 20s, I went through an extended season of prayer for my next spouse, right? I was looking for somebody that I think probably didn't exist this side of the universe anyway. I remember that it was very settled about who I was going to marry, what she was going to look like, how she was going to act, everything that she was going to do. I had this pretty much figured out, and I was just trying to get God on that side of it as well. And I realized that there were times where I was pretty consistent with my prayers towards the Lord. But then there would be times where I just didn't see anything happening. Things were not going on. Things were not progressing the way that I thought. I was going to a very small church, and we didn't have a lot of young women running into church. And I knew that whoever I married was going to have to be somebody who was a believer, somebody who was centered on the Word of God. And so I remember faithfully praying every day. If I just pray enough, pray enough, God's going to bring her to pass. And I remember praying, and months would go by. And um, I didn't see very much traction not anything happening in the way of a response anyway to that prayer. And I would lapse into short periods of prayerlessness, like some of you have done, right? You pray and pray and pray, you pray for something and get tired of praying, you get kind of distracted, and then the, the sense of urgency comes back again. Maybe you're lonely or maybe you need money or a job or whatever you're praying for, and you start praying again. But there are seasons of prayer in which God does not seem to be doing very much. Uh, that's the story of some of you here this morning. You might not be necessarily praying for a spouse, but maybe you are praying for the spouse that you have. Maybe there's something going on with them. Maybe you're, maybe you're going through a challenge in your marriage and you're just praying that the Lord would help you respond the correct way to the challenges that you're facing, help you to see your other person's point of view. Maybe you're hoping that the Lord will change your spouse's mind or perspective or whatever the case is. Some of you say, yes, I, you know, I'm in a season of prayer about my health. I've been dealing with this health issue for so long. The doctor says there's not, not likely that things are going to get better, but I have just been praying and praying and praying that God would help restore my health. Perhaps you are been in a season of prayer about a job. You have a job, but you hate your job. And you're, you know, if you're to be honest, you're praying for that job, you know, that, that real job that you've been looking for. And you have been going to interviews and you've been filling out applications and you've actually gone into a couple of interviews and you thought your responses were pretty good and but yet they never do call you back and you're just constantly praying lord where is that job and you just is this the week they're going to call me back is this the week i'm going to get that job is this the week that god you're finally going to move in this way maybe you are praying for a prodigal son or a daughter and you're praying that the Lord would send somebody into their life, perhaps, that would be an influence in their life. And every time you talk to them on the phone, it doesn't really sound like they're too interested in Jesus. Every time, every conversation you have with them, you're trying to discern, is God working in their life? Because you're praying for them. You know, you just don't see that, that step forward in faith. And so you go through this season of prayer with not much evidence of God working there. Perhaps you have a prodigal daughter. Perhaps you have an estranged family member that you've been praying that 
things would restore. Anyway, you're going through this season of prayer, and if you were to be honest, you see very little progress of going forward. Perhaps you're in a challenging situation that you're wanting to respond well. You know that there's a situation at work, you love your job, but there's that one person in the, at the job that just makes it almost not worth it to go in every week. And you're a Christian, and you know that you, God wants you to respond kindly, and He wants you to have the proper attitude towards that person, but every time you get around that person, they just grate you. Just me, where you've had sometimes people, it's just the way they are, the way they talk, the way they perspective, they sometimes they just grate on you, and you're praying, Lord, ah, I want you to change them. I'm praying all spiritual-like that I want you to change me and change my perspective, but I'm really wanting you to change them. Move on, make them get distracted. I love my job. I don't want to have to look for another job, but this person just is getting on my nerves. Perhaps uh, you today, you may not be saying it out loud, but you think that God is either inattentive, uninterested, or unengaged. He is either inattentive, uninterested, or unengaged with the prayers that you're throwing up to Him. If that is you this morning, I have great news. God is not attentive, inattentive, He is not uninterested, and He is not unengaged during this season of prayer. Instead, God intends seasons of prayer to prepare you for His purposes. That is God's purpose for your prayer, is to prepare you for His purposes. I remember praying for my, my spouse, and the caricature that I had of her was way beyond what God wanted for me, and I didn't even know it at the time. And so I'm so thankful that God took me through a season of prayer to where ultimately he led my wife to me. And I'm so thankful that he was working behind the scenes in her heart and life too, to get her to the point where she could put up with somebody like me. But there was a lot of things going on during those seasons of prayer that oftentimes I think that we miss as Christians. And that's pretty much what we're gonna talk about this morning. I've entitled our message this morning, Waiting with Purpose. And we're gonna be in Acts chapter one. And then this morning, I want to share with you the four benefits God has for your season of prayer. Four benefits that God has for your season of prayer. The first one is, is that God prepares you for His timing. Look again at verse 12. Context here is that the disciples had just watched Jesus ascend to heaven, and they were returning back to Jerusalem in order for them to wait upon the power that Jesus had promised from on high. You guys remember that. And the Bible says that they all gathered together, all of the disciples. Luke is writing this for Theophilus. And he says in verse 14 that they were all continually united in prayer. They were united in prayer. So they had some days here in which they were still probably in some kind of danger. You have to remember that the only persons who had the Holy Spirit at this time were the apostles. They had not been poured out to the church at large. But you can see that God was preparing His people for God's timing, His timing. He was having to wait. We don't really understand what God was doing behind the scenes. Why is it? What was Jesus doing during those days in which Jesus went to the Father and the disciples were there praying? Well, we do know from Scripture that God is not inactive, that He's always doing something. And you remember in Daniel, whenever Daniel was praying to God, you remember in Daniel chapter 9, 
in his first reign of Darius that he understood from the book of Jeremiah that God was going to be sending the nation back to its homeland. And so during this period of time, God was working behind the scenes. Later in chapter 10, whenever he was praying to the Lord, the angel finally comes and he says, don't be afraid, Daniel, he, he said, for the, from the first day that you purpose to understand and humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard. I have become because of your prayers. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me after I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to help you understand what will happen to your people in the last days for the vision to appear in those days. And so that's what God is doing. He's preparing you for his timing. You know, it's not all about me sometimes. It's not always always about you. God is doing certain things in the lives of people around you behind during this season of prayer. He's organizing things in his sovereignty and in his will. God does not coerce people. He's persuasive. And so he's working things around. And so there may be a season of prayer in which he is hearing your prayer. And there may be seasons of prayer inside your life that you're not seeing the spiritual battle that's going on in the heavenly places as a result to bring you an answer. It may be spiritual battle that I know it's spiritual battles that you and I do not see, but it's spiritual battles in the heavenly places that are at work. That's in opposition to God. And that it, somehow God in his marvelous glory and grace, he responds to your prayers. And oftentimes he's having to work through circumstances and work through people in order to bring them to a certain perspective, to bring them to a certain understanding. And he's working all of these things together because God has a time plan. These disciples, they'd left Jesus. They had a few days and he said, wait, just go and start praying. And so they go, they start praying. We don't know what all was going on behind the scenes there, but we do know that God knows what's happening and that God is active. Perhaps God is working on a cure for your illness. Perhaps God is working on a treatment for your infirmity. Perhaps God is working on the heart of that spouse that you're hoping will come back around to believing in Christ. Perhaps God is working in the spiritual realm. You can tell that Gabriel was talking about that it was a battle, that this was not an easy thing. And so one of the benefits of seasons of prayer is it allows you and to be on God's timing. God is working behind the scenes, and oftentimes you may not see what is happening, but God knows what is happening, and God knows what he's doing. And so during that season, during that time in which you are waiting on God's things to go forward, that brings us to the second benefit of waiting on God's timing, is that it is going to be God prepares you for his word. God is preparing for his word. You'll notice that it's in this season of prayer that they are lingering over the word of God that Peter has an epiphany about something that was in the Old Testament and been there for centuries. Look what he says. He says that Peter stood up and he said to every brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the scripture be fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold about Jesus. He says it was necessary for this to happen. It was needed. This was something that must have taken place, that had to take place. This was not something that Peter knew prior to this time in the season of prayer. It was during this season of prayer that no doubt that they were lingering over the Old Testaments and going through the ministry that Jesus had said that they were going to be doing. You remember that in the first part of John, it says he, he started talking to anybody. He invited 
the nation of Israel to come and partake of the Holy Spirit. And he said in John chapter 7, verse 30, he said, he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within them. And he said this about the Spirit, which had not yet been given because Jesus had not been glorified. And so we go through Jesus's ministry. And then we see in John 20, the last chapter of John, after he's been glorified, we can see verse 22, that in the upper room, whenever Thomas was present, it said that he breathed on them and they said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so Peter had the Holy Spirit, but it was only during this time of reflection that he was able to see the purposes and the insights into God's word. What about you? How beneficial would it be for you to be able to linger in this prayer, this season of prayer and, and, and discover insights from God's word? Oftentimes, it's during those periods that God is shaping our understanding and shaping our perspective about our circumstances. It was during those periods of time in which my view of what a godly wife was supposed to be was completely changed. It was because as I was going in front of God's Word and as I was contemplating God's Word, God's Word was revealing things to me about myself I didn't even know. And He started to shape my prayers and shape my understanding as a result of that, that sometimes that just won't happen without a season of prayer. So as you're in your prayer, are you in God's word as well? Luke had told them in chapter 24, these I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And so that happened to Peter, James, and John, and the rest of the apostles in the upper room. Prior to this period of time, he opened up their minds to see how the connection between the Old Testament and the New, New Testament fit. And so what Peter is experiencing here in this section is just really an outflow of that enablement that God had given them in that upper room, was this ability to open their minds to the scriptures. You guys remember that the, spirit, the, the scriptures are a spiritual um, agent through which God's truth is communicated. And you must remember that not everybody had insight into the scriptures in the Old Testament. In fact, Paul makes note of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You guys may remember this section where he says, we are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from gazing steadily unto the end of the glory that was being set aside. He's talking about whenever Jesus, or whenever, sorry, excuse me, Moses would go out to the tent of meeting and he would go up to the mountain, he would go up before God, and he would come back, and his face would glow as a result of being in the presence of God. And he started to put a veil over his face so that the people would not see the fading of that glory as time went on without him being in God's presence. He didn't want to see that fading occur as a result of the proximity from time that he was away from God's word. He says that that is, has a spiritual truth today. He says, their minds were hardened, for to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted, because it is set aside only in Christ. And so there was a veil over Old Testament saints' hearts. Not all of them. Some of them were open to the things of God, and God endowed certain ones with understanding. But that's a marvelous benefit that you and I have under the New Covenant, is this ability to be able to discern God's Word. The Old Testament saints didn't have that. Paul goes on to say there in 2 Corinthians, that yet st still today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, this veil is removed. And that's what we're seeing there with, with Peter. That veil is being removed. The the cloudiness and the obscurity of Old Testament scriptures that were related to Jesus was being removed. And that never would have happened as a result of not being in this season of prayer. God says, I'm going to be back. You go and you pray together. And you can see 
that God was working not only in the timing, but also to in preparing them to receive God's word. And so the third thing that God is preparing is that he's preparing you for God's will. The third benefit is preparing you for God's will. After a parenthetical statement that Luke makes to Theophilus, who is the recipient of this letter, he makes a parenthetical statement about how the field of blood was named as it was. Evidently, Theophilus knew what it was. And so Luke is just pausing here for a minute to explain to Theophilus, who is the recipient of this letter, how this field became known by the terms that it was being used. And then he just moves on. So it was just a little parenthetical statement. Then the, it picks back up. Um, and he says, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling become desolate, let no one live in it, and let someone else take his position. He's quoting there, uh, Psalm 109 and Psalm 69, talking about that the scriptures also revealed to him the need for them to, not only for Judas's death, but also to, to replace Judas. And so Peter is receiving insight from God's word. So God is working on the timing. He's working on your ability. He's preparing you for God's will because the reason God wants you to wait on his timing, the reason he wants you to wait on his will is because of the fact that he wants you to wait to respond. And so the third thing is that you are being prepared for God's will. And I love what it says here in verse 21. Luke narrows back down to Peter's discussion, and he says, Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time the Lord went out in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, from among these it is necessary. And so as a result of him waiting on God's timing, as a result of him receiving insight about the events that occurred and what was about to happen through God's word, now God was giving him his will. And that's the same thing with you and I. As you and I are working through these things, through the seasons of prayer, God is working in the timing, in the heavenly places. He's working in the earthly places. He's working behind the scenes. He's doing things of us. He's giving us insights about who we are and what God is doing behind the scenes in his word. And the reason for that is because he wants us to know his will. He wants us to know how to respond. And it's evident that you can see that Peter, as a result of these things, knew the next step forward. He says we must replace him. The reason that he knew that this disciple had to be replaced was because of the promise that Jesus had made to the disciples. He said that you will be on 12 thrones judging what? The 12 tribes of Israel. And as a result of that promise, and because of everything that Jesus had said about this kingdom coming to bear in on the land, that he knew that this had to be replaced. And so he said, it must be somebody who was there at the very beginning. We're supposed to be the witnesses. A witness is someone who saw something worth reporting, somebody who has some credibility to be able to speak with authority about what they saw. And so we can see here that this apostle, in a technical sense, was somebody who had to be from the baptism of John. He had to have either seen the Holy Spirit come down onto Jesus whenever Jesus was baptized, or had been there in some way, in some capacity, and had been with her. The word that's talking about been with her has this idea of a continuous been there with them. Someone who had been in ministry alongside of them. Maybe somebody who was assisting the disciples in their ministry. Perhaps he was one of them that helped put, pass out bread to the 5,000 and the 4,000. And perhaps he was these disciples were involved in that in some way, but they were somebody who could testify 
for the baptism of Jesus, but also to the resurrection of Jesus at the end. And so in order for them to be a valid witness, they had to be able to recognize this. And Peter had enough discernment and insight to be able to tell this. And it wouldn't have probably happened without this season of prayer in his life. Probably would not have happened. Well, we go on down and we see the fourth benefit that God has for this season of prayer in your life. And that's preparing you for his mission. God has created you and me to be on mission with him. His mission is for you and I to come to faith, to grow in the faith, and to tell others about the faith. It is to come to faith, grow in the faith, and tell others about the faith. All of us may not be able to be a witness in the strictest sense of the word of an apostle, but you can be somebody who can speak on God's behalf as a result of what he's done in your life. And these seasons of prayers is how God uses it. Think about the season of prayer that Moses went through when he went up on the Mount Sinai. How long was he in that season of prayer? Think about Jesus. As soon as he was baptized, as soon as he began his ministry, he went into a season of prayer. Mark chapter 4 or 6, it says that he would get up very early in the morning and he would go. And so he had these rhythms, these seasons of prayer. He had a season of prayer that occurred daily. He had a season of prayer that would occur apparently probably monthly. And they had seasons of prayer that would happen yearly as well through the festivals. And through all of these things. And so there were special prayers that they would pray daily. They would, had special prayers they would pray on Sabbaths. They had special prayers that they would pray at the festivals. And so God is built into this season of prayer. And that's what's going on here, is this season of prayer. But I think, brothers and sisters, we get very discontent and dissatisfied because of the fact God uses this means. We don't like that. We're used to having everything on our app. We're used to having everything in our dinging in the microwave. We're used to... The result is just give me the facts and we just think that somehow by us knowing something that actually actualizes that into our life and it doesn't. The facts is not what actually we actually have to have God work that into our fiber and work it into our sinews. And he has to have it contextualized in the lives of people we meet and in the circumstances that we face and in the prayers that we're praying that have nothing to do with the prayer of the season of prayer that we're praying for. God is working all of these things in because God wants you to know him and he loves you too much to coerce you. He's going to allow time to go by. If you go days without being in his word, God's not going to zap you. He's not going to zap you from that. But it's also, too, not going to bring you to the point to where you can pray intelligently either. You're going to get to the point to where your prayers are sporadic and you, you don't begin to experience God's blessing in your life. How many of you have begun a prayer and then watched it change as a result of your feelings changing or your goals changing or perhaps your perspective changing? I don't know how many times that's occurred to me to where I'll pray and pray and pray for something and finally I go, well, God's trying to change something in my perspective or he's trying to bring something along in somebody else's life to make this happen. But the most important thing God wants us in that period of time is ourselves. It's us. Whenever we, we come before him in prayer, regular seasons of prayer, I can't, I don't think we understand the sense of um, disappointment and sadness the Lord had when Adam and Eve fell and they were not in the garden. He goes, where are you? We do this every evening and you're not here. What happened? I think that was what launched God's plan to bring us a savior 
You look at how the Israelites, once they were saved from the Egyptians and they were out in the desert, and they, Moses went up on the mountain, and down below, the, the Israelites made a calf. They took all of their gold and they ground it up and they put it into the fire. And Aaron said, out popped a calf. And they began to worship this calf. And you could see the anger in God's voice. You could hear the anger in God's voice whenever he was speaking to Moses. He says, get out of the way. I'm going to wipe them all out. That's hurt. That's justice. That's a desire. Think about anybody who has ever had their spouse cheat on them. The anger, if you've ever talked to somebody that's had their spouse cheat on them, the anger and the sense of betrayal that is there, and they're mad, and they'll go from times of crying to times of pleading to times of rage as you kind of walk them through this process of somebody cheating on them. And the anger and the ebb and flow of the anger. I'm not saying that the people of God were cheating on them, but the anger, the sense of, of sadness mixed with anger and betrayal that the Lord felt, I think, was very real during that period of time. God is, I don't think we understand how jealous He is for us. How that our affections and how our desires can be distracted and be robbed away from Him. And, and God wants that time for us. He's made such a provision for us with Christ. The extremes He went through in order to make it to where you and I can come freely to Him anytime with no barrier and talk to Him. And I am convicted at how little I take advantage of that. How that I, I pray little self-centered prayers. And I, want, I just want God to fix it. Yeah, I know there's this area in my life you want me to deal with and kind of deal with all this area. And I may not, may not be the great thing to pray for, but this person has it, Lord, then I should have it. There is a sense in which this season of prayer, God is working through those things. And so real thing we need to do is lean into that time of prayer. God is not a microwave God. He has all the time in the world. I, I love um, Psalm 119 says, Turn my heart to your decrees and not to dishonest profit. Turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless. Give me life in your ways. It's the prayer of the psalmist here. This person had sit in front of God's word long enough to know that there was a worthlessness to his prayers. And he knew, he got glimpses of how God reformed his mind and his heart and his desires, and he wanted more of it. Has that happened to you? To where you've you saw something in God's word that is so attractive, it's going to cost you something, it's sacrificial, it's going to cause you to give up everything, but it's just something you have to have because it's the very heart of God. Have you ever had that? That is such a wonderful place to be. It's, a couple verses down, Psalm 119.18 says, Open my eyes so that I may contemplate wondrous things from your instruction. Lingering in that place of, of prayer. So you have the benefits. God's purpose for your season of prayer is for you to get on board with God's timing. It's preparing you for God's word. It's preparing you for God's will. And it's preparing you for God's mission. God wants you to be fully equipped to be able to not only live in this life, a life that is pleasing and a life in which he will be able to reward you on that day with a well-done, well good, and faithful servant. But he wants you to enjoy him. He wants you to see his glory. He wants you to see the majesty of his truth in your own life. But we have to persevere through those seasons of prayer. And that's what the disciples are doing here. They 
this is something that if we, as we go through the book of Acts, you're going to see this happen again and again and again, is that especially early on, you're going to see the sermons of Peter and Stephen. And yet there is this epiphany that, is a, that occurs as a result of them lingering in prayer. And they end up praying for boldness. And there's a tremendous amount of power that moves, moves out from the church as it spreads to other parts of the land as a result of this time of prayer. Or every time we see it announced, we see this progress go forward. And so, how does that apply to us? Well, what is it that you have been praying for that you've stopped praying for? What are you praying for now that seems like God is not answering? Perhaps be one of those things. It can be financial. It can be relational. It can be occupational. It can be all of these different areas that God is wanting to use. He's wanting to change you. He's wanting to give you insight into his word. He wants to give you insight into you. He wants you to give you insight into his will on how to move forward. He wants you to be fully equipped to be on mission with him. Begin asking God again and begin recording, perhaps even journaling the things that God is doing in your life and in your heart as you go through this period of time. Think about it as a church. What would a season of prayer do for our church? In our conference that we had, um, our district supervisor, superintendent rather, invited us to join with them uh, in prayer, in corporate prayer during Good Friday and on Easter. And that's what something I want us to do is that we're gonna send out a, a, a sign-up sheet to where we're gonna have 24 hours of prayer on Friday and Saturday. And, and those things we're gonna be praying for are three things. We're gonna be praying, number one is gonna be for the, the the, the, the lost to come to Christ. We're going to pray for that service. We're going to pray for that weekend that not only in our church, but in churches all over this country is that we're going to be praying that the Lord would have a movement into the lives of people. We're also going to pray for our church, the direction of our church. We're going to pray that the God would give us his spirit, that he would give us a, 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 a great outpouring of enthusiasm and a sense of of hope as we go forward in the next few months. In spite of the culture that we're facing, in spite of the challenges that we're facing, we're going to appeal to God that go through that season of prayer in which we're praying for the church. We're going to pray for our nation, and we're going to pray for the gospel to go out. Those three things we're going to pray for during that season of prayer. What is it that you want to add? What is it that you see in your own heart and in your own life? And so as we move through the book of Acts, as we begin to watch how the outpouring of the Spirit happens next week. We're going to be in Acts 2, and we're going to see how it is exponentially increased. God's power and grace is exponentially increased. This is one of those sermons to where it's, it's probably one of the most important sermons we can hear about prayer, but because we hear so much about prayer, it's oftentimes a ho-hum subject because it's not a microwave. Do you sense that sometimes as when you pray? It's not a microwave thing. You know that if you're gonna pray, God may not answer it today. That he might be doing things in your life. He might be doing things in the life of the people around you. But the truth is still here. God wants to work in your life and in my life through these seasons of prayer. Let's pray that he does that this week. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for this example that we have of Peter as he contemplated and as he lingered over your word, how that you gave insight to it, you gave them direction on how to go forward. You also, Father, enabled them and was equipping them to be able to properly, 
properly go forward with your ministry and with your mission. We thank you, Father, for this example. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to see and to understand how this fits into our own lives and our own hearts, how this fits into our own circumstances. We want to pray, God, not only for your kingdom, but also for our church, but also individually and for others as well. And I pray, God, that you would give us encouragement through this, that you are doing things behind the scenes in order for this to come about. We thank you, Father. We, we say, uh, forgive us, Lord, for our short-sightedness and the lack, of, the lack of diligence that we often show in this area. Help us, Lord, to be infused with a sense of your, your grace and your, your love and your power as we pray during many seasons that we face. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.